Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hi, listeners. In this episode, we'll dig behind the scenes and how to bring a prescription drug to over-the-counter. And if you're interested in hearing more about what I'm doing with maternal health, check out www.rxformom.com. And reach out if you are a pediatric pharmacist or pharmacist interested in maternal health. I'm looking for others who are also passionate about that and want to help with some content. Or maybe you're also a mom and have questions just like I did. So reach out, let me know what you think about this project. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Fadi Bakhter, is the president and chief commercial officer of Petros Pharmaceuticals. He has over 20 years of experience in the pharmaceutical industry across a wide array of functions, including brand and portfolio marketing, sales channel optimization, product portfolio strategy, development and new product launches. Mr. Bachter has driven significant revenue growth for specialty biologics, mainstream men's health product lines, rare and orphan drug disease therapeutics, and substance abuse uh, rescue modalities. Lots of different things there. Mr. Bachter has worked for companies such as Novartis, Forest Pharmaceuticals, Auxilium Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Adapt, or uh, Emergent Biosolutions, and has his uh, BA in International Relations from Hamlin University and a Master's in Diplomacy from Norwich University, and his MBA from the University of Manchester Business School. Fadi, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Good to be with you, Hillary. Thank you, and uh, excited to have uh, the discussion around this emerging self care marketplace. That's so uh, that's so exciting to to blossom. Yes, yes. Well, um, it is exciting because we see, um, you know, anytime I at least that I travel into you know other countries and things, it's always interesting to see what's available over the counter uh, there and. Um, I know, you know, the FDA has very um, good and uh, stringent guidelines, keeping uh, the public safe uh, is their, you know, call to, to, um, to do that. But uh, it is so helpful to have more and more things uh, be available over the counter so that, uh, you know, consumers can be uh, uh, have that readily available and can always talk with their pharmacist, uh, with any, uh, questions. So, um, now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a bit more about your personal life, like maybe where you're, you're joining us from the world. Yeah, absolutely. So coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, funny enough, my, my history has me born in Cairo, Egypt, grew up in LA lived in Florida for about 10 years and then found my way into Pennsylvania. And there's the journey of a person who's worked for multiple pharmaceutical companies on multiple different posts and roles and functions. And it is interesting. I would have never imagined that today I'd be sitting in a seat where I'm looking at getting 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 savvy and, and proficient at switching prescription medications to over-the-counter. Most of my career has been 
in commercializing and launching prescription, innovative prescription medications. And today it is interesting to see that these prescription medications often have their debut, their formal debut, their formal public um, debut in OTC. We'll talk about more of that in the coming future. But it is, uh, it is. I would have never foreseen it. And today, here I am in this emerging self-care marketplace, as we coin it, and uh, we'll define it in greater detail. And I think it's the one thing that I have not yet done fully. And funny enough, many have not yet done fully in the, in the pharmaceutical industry. Many of us have been immersed in the prescription world, uh, and now we're finding ourselves uh, at the cusp of something big. Mm, very interesting. And I love how you've coined it, uh, the self-care market. So yeah, how did you find yourself in pharmaceuticals? And, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, the difference in working for uh, the prescription side and then uh, what it looks like to bring a drug um, from prescription to over-the-counter status. Yeah, so I think the the prescription world is immersed in collaboration with the physician intermediary. It's critical. The physician um, is the learned intermediary. They are our access to the consumer. So there is a, a tight collaboration with the prescri- with the prescriber, mid levels included, um, and and it's establishing innovative molecules, small molecule or biologic, the same, and ensuring that the the practitioner buys into the science is convinced by the science. The payer, the PBMs are convinced by the science. So we're constantly fighting for the science of efficacy, the science of outcomes. Those are critical endpoints and critical features. And it is, uh, it's it's a competition. It's a competitive race and climb to ensure that your molecule, your therapeutic takes the patients, the consumers ultimately to the best place um, or, or the preferred uh, spot of health and wealth. Uh, the big issue today is there's been this resounding voice from the public, from the American public that indicates they want more control and they want more autonomy and they want unhindered access to their healthcare. And that has been surprising. It's been surprising because in the age of Google, in the age of just public information, ubiquitous all around us, uh, the consumers have become essentially very knowledgeable about their health. And I think what we're finding now, and FDA has has also uh, mimicked and, and and actually reflected the same the same understanding. Uh, it's how do we empower the consumer to now take control of the low-hanging fruit of their health? So you think of cold, flu, allergy, we've been there, done that. What about today when you think about migraines, UTIs, um, depression, anxiety, erectile dysfunction, things that are relatively simple to self-diagnose, they're obvious, they're evident, and the solutions are also relatively well comprehended. How do you bring products and solutions to the consumer without the learned intermediary and to make that seamless. Um, interestingly enough, probably uh, at the at the the late stage of my pharmaceutical career, I touched Narcan nasal spray, which kind of mm-hmm. it straddles mm-hmm. this prescription OTC world. For the longest time, Narcan, the branded mm-hmm. version of Naloxone, has been trying to go to OTC. And while I was still working on the on the, on the pharmaceutical prescription side of Narcan, I began to see the horizon of of its presence as OTC, and I became very curious. Uh, what is the dynamic, and and how does this work, and and what are the prospects and the chances, and what are the what's the impact on the public mar- on the public health uh, scene? And sure enough, we 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 built it uh, on the prescription world. We convinced physicians of its place and its algorithm and its 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 offering. Um, and then when Emergent Biosolutions bought out Adapt Pharmaceuticals, 
that's when the real effort to switch to OTC occurred. And sure enough, it switched to OTC. Hmm. Here I am today in, in a similar world in the erectile dysfunction space. Uh, and now so much, um, so much more aware of this journey between prescription to OTC switch and the FDA guidelines. You said it perfectly. The FDA has seemingly strange ways, but they have a very, very tough job because they have to make sure certain products are safe enough for the consumer to use without the physician moderator. And, and with that said, I think there's a lot to be said to, to the studies that they are requiring. So we'll talk about quickly label comprehension studies, self-selection studies, actual use studies, akin to a phase one, phase two, phase three in clinical development. So for many of your pharmacists out there, um, it, there's going to be a new horizon of products on the shelf that's going to require their engagement. Today, the physician is the lead. Tomorrow, I believe the pharmacist will begin to play uh, more and more of a lead with direct to consumer. And mm -hmm. so there is, I'll quickly coin this, I'll quickly mention this. According to CHPA, uh, Consumer Healthcare Products Association, big advocates of the switch from prescription OTC for select therapeutics, they did an appraisal since 1975. There's been about 106 products that were switched to over-the-counter. Many of them in the allergy space, many of them in the topical space, many of them relatively benign in terms of adverse events. And the FDA has hovered in this space. If a product was relatively safe, uh, they'll go ahead and, and still require these, these, these studies to show their safe use as an OTC product. Today, however, you have products that have never seen the light of day in terms of OTC, may have never been considered prospects for OTC, and today, uh, as of May of 2022, FDA announced this new stipulation called Additional Conditions for Non-Prescription Use, which enables sponsors, manufacturers, to now bring in technology-assisted utilities to help the consumer better select and more safely select products that are nuanced, products that in the past were never considered OTC safe. And so I think today what we're going to start to see, and I would say even as we enter next year, more and more product candidates who were never imagined, never explored as OTC will begin to become explored for OTC, putting these prescription grade medications as an over-the-counter access on the pharmacy shelf and potentially engaging your pharmacy audience more and more as the direct uh, point of reference. We can, we can unpack that even further, but I think that's a nice high-level view of where the landscape is today. Oh, wow. Uh, so much there. And um yeah, fascinating that there's only been 106 products that have actually made the switch in the U.S. Um, and that there is, of course, an association that uh, keeps track and helps to, um, you know, just monitor that. Well, um, Fadi, maybe you could tell us, you know, since your background or your role is in a chief commercialization uh, officer, what it looks like, what are the differences, you know, direct to consumer advertising that, um, the U S is one of two countries, uh, in the world that actually allows that for prescription products. And of course there's going to be, you know, certain requirements and things and, um, you know, the list of side effects that are always required listing at the end of all of those, but what does it look like for you to, um, educate consumers about, um, a, a new product hitting the OTC market? You know, interestingly enough, it's going to be the same art and science as prescription um, 
promotion. The, the, the component that's different is you now have somewhat less restriction in that the consumer no longer has to go to the physician. So your promotion mm-hmm. has to lead the consumer to comprehension of important elements in the drug facts label, which is essentially the OTC label. So you have to establish a DFL that's well comprehended, and then you have to promote to that DFL. So there's similarities there to the prescription world. Your promotion still has to be bound by the DFL for that particular OTC product. Uh, and then you promote. The, 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 piece, the piece is is the path of least resistance. Once the consumer comprehends and appropriately self-selects, they just purchase. And now they take it home, whether it's on the pharmacy shelf or online, and it's shipped to their home. Um, that is a critical dynamic. The the spend and the the mechanism, the omni-channel presence, all of that remains relatively the same, uh, pure to the consumer though, and not shared with the physician. Usually with prescription, you're sharing your budget and your promotion between physician promotion and consumer promotion. This is going to be entirely pure consumer uh, for the for the most part. On our board, I, this is important to, to note, Petros Pharmaceuticals, we have Greg Bradley and John Shulman, both are profoundly well-versed in the consumer promotion space. Greg Bradley and Plan B One Step, which was a prescription to OTC switch. Mm. Much of your audience will be aware of that. Uh, he commercialized it to becoming the number one selling SKU consistently uh, and, and relatively often. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a feat in and of itself. It's one thing to switch a product from prescription to OTC. It's another thing to bring it to commercial success. Which, uh, which him and his team, they've been able to achieve quite well. So we're happy to have him on the board to help advise on what some of those best practices are. We anticipate they will be uh, critical. They'll be very critical. Hmm, interesting. Um, all right. So you've mentioned, you know, a lot of different, um, areas of therapeutics where, um, we've already seen the success. This is going to be the first, uh, ED or erectile dysfunction drug to hit over the counter now. Um, we've seen some companies who have, um, not been in the prescription space, you know, like Roe and Hems, her, Hems and Hers that have focused on these niche markets, um, and bringing, you know, uh, patients, um, <clears throat> more, I guess, uh, accessibility to providers who can get them the prescriptions, but then they still have to, uh, get the prescription and, you know, all of that um, effort that is involved. Now you guys, um, are, you know, shifting that by making it available over the counter. Um, so not requiring a prescription and, um, tell us a little bit more about, you know, being the first, uh, in class for a certain category. Yeah, that, that's our ambition. So Petros Pharmaceuticals, the, the, the parent company, public uh, tickers, PTPI, that's our ambition. We have a flagship prescription-grade pharmaceutical asset in our portfolio today, competes with the likes of Viagra and Cialis. And the the intent is to, to, to be the first movers in the space. Lots of good work to be done, lots of good work that's been done, uh, but that is our, our ambition. And, and I'll say that this is an important metric to, to keep in mind. There should always be a public health value and attribute to it. Uh, 30 million men are estimated to suffer from erectile dysfunction in the U.S., the U.S. alone. And a recent study demonstrated that in looking at claims data, 25% of millions of men that were diagnosed with erectile dysfunction actually sought prescription therapy, which essentially 
alludes to and points to 25% of the 30 million men in this country may have sought prescription therapy, leaving 75% of men without prescription therapy. And there are many reasons for that. Among them is cost, among them is stigma and embarrassment. And among also among them is just lack of, lack of uh, interest to pursue it, uh, unawareness. So with that said, there's a massive public health component to where men with erectile dysfunction should be mobilized to pursue a therapeutic. And in that, yes, you want to educate them. You want to educate them that ED isn't could be an underlying cardiovascular issue, um, a, a silent cardiovascular issue. And that's an opportunity to have them engaged with healthcare at the OTC counter enough to get them to, to, to call their cardiologist to make an appointment and have a cardiology lookup without a prescription, without an ED mention or discussion or dialogue, just the fact that they're now aware that they may have an underlying cardiovascular condition. So that is our ambition, to be the first mover in the space, to unearth a massive population suffering from erectile dysfunction that have been immobilized, either due to embarrassment, stigma, they don't want to have the conversation, but still give them education in the point of transaction uh, to get them to look at their broader health. Okay. So uh, just to clarify for the audience, this is not yet available. Do you have an anticipated timeline on when um, you all expect to, to be approved? Good question. I think um, that question is a tough one to answer because we have not stated it publicly. What we have stated publicly, we have we have we have moderate control over wh what happens. FDA will have ultimate uh, control. We have indicated what our development timeline looks like, and so we have we have completed label comprehension studies, two pivotal label comprehension studies, where we basically assess comprehension among the average consumer. And we are now moving into self-selection studies akin to a phase two development study. Um, hope to conclude that by Q1 of 2024. And then we'd like to move into actual use study by early 2025. That is the final study in, in, the, in, in the development process. Where FDA will come into play is how, if, if um, they accept the results of our study and if they help us and continue to support us to, to progress, uh, we'd love to see all of our studies completed by the end of 2025 for a fair shot at at launch in 2026. But that is ambitious, uh, and and that is based on our developmental timelines. It doesn't take into consideration, you know, FDA independent thought. Got it. Um, thanks for clarifying. So, just something for um, people to kind of be aware of, and just I mean, we even have seen, as you already mentioned the naloxone hitting, um, over the counter status. So we are seeing more of these prescriptions coming to over the counter and it, it is significant work that you all are undertaking to, um, you know, make the switch. Uh, it is really interesting, of course, you know, AI and machine learning and data, data, data has, has certainly been, um, you know, taken center stage, uh, in kind of all aspects of healthcare, but, um, really interesting, you know, uh, I'm sure people remember the days of WebMD and you're going in and you're trying to check your symptoms and things like that. But, um, it's neat that you all ha are, are working to design, um, a, a tool to better, um, guide and educate, uh, consumers and helping to select, uh, this product. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. And, and are y'all seeing that, um, in other potential medications or what kind of success have you seen from this type of tool? 
Yeah, we are seeing it. We're seeing other medications, especially since the announcement by FDA uh, mid last year on this ACNU stipulation and proposed rule. Uh, the differentiating feature between the manufacturers will be the quality of that technology and the innovation behind that technology, AI among them, machine learning among them. How well can we leverage massive data, add intelligent design to it, intelligent algorithmic logic to it, and help differentiate patients that are more appropriate to engage with a physician and patients who are certainly healthy enough to make this decision for themselves safely and well. Uh, those are going to be differentiating factors. We are certainly looking to be competitive on that front. We think that if we're able to achieve a, techno a technology sufficient for this class of medication, this class of medication meaning PDE5 inhibitors, many of your audience will, will be familiar with that class of medication in the erectile dysfunction space as an OTC prospect. We think that would justify this technology platform, this emerging technology platform, our proprietary emerging technology platform, as a platform for future candidates of similar nuance, of similar complexity, that could then open the door for a portfolio of products that we could begin to apply to the same technology feature. So it's exciting for the current asset in play. It's exciting to consider what it could do for us in the future. And certainly differentiating features will be the advanced technology that we see emerging all around us. Okay, interesting. All right, so does Petrus have any other uh, drugs in the pipeline that we need to be looking at, or, or clearly there's, um, a lot more work to do on this one, but, um, any other things that, that you all are working on that we could be on the lookout for? Yeah, I think in terms of our portfolio currently, we do not, we are hyper-focused on this particular pharmaceutical asset. Nevertheless, it is a small intimate community. I'd like to call it. And we do talk to our colleagues, our colleague companies, and we understand what products they have in their portfolio, what technology platforms they're building. We're sharing elements of our technology platform as well, just to be able to see who, who's going to be the first mover in the space and who's going to show promise for future assets that could be considered for OTC development. So by that way, by way of mergers, acquisitions, partnerships, future products can come into play uh, in those relationships. Mm, of course. Well, very fascinating. Uh, so Fadi is one of, uh, my questions that I love to ask all of our guests is what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for others out there who are just getting started in their career? I would say, um, disrupt, disrupt status quo. I think many times we enter into big industry and we think things are the way they are for good reason. When in fact, the only reason they are is because nobody's disrupted it. Nobody's had the courage to, to disrupt the status quo. And many, many times it's it's you. It's the, it's the person who's observed the inefficiency, the suboptimal element. And once you see it and observe it with credibility and with collaboration, disrupt it. It's worth it. It's never too late. It's never too early. Awesome. Well, I love that. And uh, it definitely goes with one of the goals and, and themes of this podcast. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing all of the interesting work that you're doing uh, and bringing, you know, more products uh, over the counter, which, you know, pharmacists are going to be play an integral role there and need to be educated and informed about everything happening uh, with that, because they're inevitably going to be 
um, ask questions as one of the most accessible healthcare providers and all of those um, over-the-counter products being right there, um, hopefully on their shelves. So thanks so much for sharing with us and being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you, Hillary. Great talking with you. listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.